Is there anybody in the room who's thankful that he's made your soul well? You can be seated. Thank you so much for coming, and happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. Can you do me a favor and let all the fathers know today how much we appreciate them and honor them? Joining us in the room and online. I'm excited to preach today on, on that hymn specifically. I've been looking forward to this, but uh, before we go, I, I do need to let uh, the fathers know how much we appreciate them. I recently heard the story of the four men who were in the hospital in the waiting room because their wives were having babies. And a nurse comes in and says to the first guy, congratulations, you're a father of twins. He goes, that's odd because I work for the Minnesota Twins. Again, a nurse says to the second guy, congratulations, you're a father of triplets. He goes, that's weird because I work for the 3M company. A nurse tells a third man, congratulations, you're the father of quadruplets. That's strange. He said, I work for Four Seasons Hotel. And the last man in the waiting room began to groan and banging his head against the wall. They said, what's wrong? He goes, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> you know, um, stats will tell you that that if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only 18% of the children will be future church attendees if the father does not go, even if the mother goes. If the father attends but the mom doesn't, 66% chance those children will be future attenders. When both mom and dad attend, hear this, 75% chance they become regular attenders of church as they age. I want you to understand something, men. Every week I get up here and I look out and I see fathers from every age and every walk of life. And I just want to, as your pastor, say thank you. You are leading your family well. <laughs> being who God called you to be, the spiritual leader of your house. And it makes a difference. And stats show that our role as fathers has huge implication on the next generation. If we prioritize the things of God, revival can happen in our home and in our future. Amen, everybody. Amen. So thank God for all the men. Now, the song, It Is Well With My Soul, was written by a man named Horatio G. Spafford in 1873. When we hear the word when we hear the word soul, oftentimes people may think of eternity or heaven. But to go a little more basic for all of us today to have understanding is the soul is the inner life of the human being. It is the seat of emotions. It is the center of the human personality. It is the interior life of the man or the woman. And the Bible over and over through the pages refer to the soul. In fact, 856 times the scripture talks about the soul. And if the word of God talks about it that much, how many of you know that must be important? So if you will, turn your attention to 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. I'm gonna be jumping around a little bit today. 
So if you can't keep up, you may have to look at the screen and take notes. Third John chapter one, verse two. John said this, beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So according to the word of God, our lives prosper as our soul prospers. In other words, if our soul is well, our life is well. Your health, watch this, the verse is saying that your health in life, health in your body, health in your family, health in your life, and the prosperity of your soul is the most important parts of your life. Those things don't prosper on the outside unless you prosper on the inside. The number one key to a being a healthy person is having a healthy soul. Can I get an amen? amen. So you can have a whole lot of money and if you don't have a good soul, your life ain't good. You can have a lot of opportunities, but if your soul is not well, your life is not well. You can have a big house, you can have all the cars, you can have all the resources, but if your soul is not well, your life is not well. Are, are you getting the image? You can have a healthy body. You can have all kinds of muscles on the outside. You can be physically fit, but if your soul's not well, your life is not well. And I would go on and, and say this, that if your soul's well, you can get through anything in this life if your soul's well. The writer said, it is well with my soul. And so in my thinking this week and, and praying, I begin to wonder, what are the enemies of the soul? What makes your soul not well? What makes my soul not healthy? And in thinking this week, though this list could be much more, I'm just gonna narrow it down to three things in our limited time together. How many of you have enjoyed Father's Day extravaganza at church today? Videos and games, a lot of things happening today. But in our limited time together, I wanna give you three enemies of the soul. Are you ready if you're taking those? Enemy of the soul number one, sin. Sin. First Peter chapter two, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul, against your soul. Now listen, my heart hurts when I think of people whose lives have been destroyed and forever been altered because of sin. Because of decisions that you and I can make, these choices have a way of twisting our minds and our hearts. Sometimes if we're not careful, sin just has a way of getting into us and, and, and ruining our lives. Now, now, a lot of people may be thinking, well, Pastor Ethan, 
We all have sin. You're exactly right. The Bible says anybody who says they don't have sin is actually lying. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. I'm not talking about occasional sin that we all struggle with, our failures and our flaws. I'm talking about these habitual sins that are deadly. In fact, I will say this. I really believe that every person has one thing. This is my theory. That everybody has one thing that has a way of crippling you if left unchecked. I really believe that. Paul said, I got a thorn in my flesh. There's just sometimes, and it may not be the same for everybody, but I really believe that everybody has a sin or a struggle or an issue that, that it makes you call on God. It makes you come to church. It makes you read your Bible because you know that if you leave your life unchecked and you let that sin, it will wage war in your soul. It has a way of twisting our hearts and our minds. I've seen sin, as well as you have, I've seen sin destroy marriages. I've seen sin destroy children and homes and businesses. And I know this is gonna be a little controversial, and I'm okay with that. I just need you to listen to the whole thing I'm about to say. I have noticed a lot of people, including me, I'm sure, will blame parents, will blame upbringing, and will downplay the reality of the things that we do that are sinful, that affect our lives. So, I'm, I'm trying to help you here. I'm, let me walk through this for a minute. I, I'll, I'll talk to people, and, and they will oftentimes blame their upbringing for the dysfunction in their lives. They will, they will blame people for their misfortunes. They will blame their spouse. They will blame their mother-in-law. And, and I have no, and this is gonna be a little tough, and I'm not sure everybody's gonna amen me on this, but I'm okay with this. For some reason, we struggle to connect, possibly, that you getting intoxicated drunk is not affecting your marriage. So it's easier, the Bible says, to be not drunk. So it's easy to just blame the spouse for her or him not being reasonable, yet not connecting the dysfunction in your marriage could also be connected to your sinful behaviors. In 2023, everybody's just sick and nobody sins. Everybody just needs a counselor, and I've got great friends. I'm in counseling. I've got great friends that are counselors. There's nothing wrong with that. That is nothing wrong with people helping you navigate maybe a chemical imbalance or trauma or difficulties or change or hang-ups or habits. I totally understand. But we've tried to counsel some sinful people and trying to soothe people who are literally making decisions, and they're at war in their soul, and they're pointing out and we have a tendency to do what they have done in Scripture is blame and point and say and do. And it's not my fault. I'm not responsible. This isn't me. Can I just tell you today, there comes a point where you got to be like the old song that says, Lord, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I, I'm a sinner. I need help. 
a lot of people, hear me, have a lot of explanations when they're really just excuses. And I believe this, and I need you to listen. Sin has a way of making itself known. The Bible says that sin will find you out. Sin has a way of making itself known. So immediately people think that that means God's gonna pull the curtain and show the particular sin or struggle that you have. I wouldn't say that, though that could be, and that's been the case for many people. I think what that also means is that the sin that we have has a way of affecting our lives. It makes its way out. And it affects our marriages and our homes and our businesses and our relationships when sin is warring in our soul. Am I helping you? In other words, you can sin privately, but you never sin personally. You and I can sin where nobody can see, but all of our sin affects everyone we know. Your family feels it. So you can delete the history, but your kids will feel it in their future. Sin has a way of twisting our souls and twisting our thoughts and, and, and perverting our interior life. Paul Peter says, abstain from it. It's going to wage war on the inside, and as a result, the Bible just let us know in 1 John, when your soul is doing well, your life's gonna do well, and the devil knows if he can get you wrapped up in sin and damage your interior soul, he will damage your life, because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. <laughs> Maybe the devil doesn't have to come and wreck your life. If he could twist your soul, you'll twist your life. I believe that that's the first enemy of the soul. The second enemy, and I'm not gonna be long today, the second enemy of the soul is stuff, is stuff. Here's what I already know from this one. You already think I'm talking about somebody else. You know, I have never had one person in the history of ministry, I've been raised in church my entire life, my mom and dad are pastors, been in church my whole life, been in a million meetings, man, just I've met with everybody, right? I've never had one person ever come in and say, Pastor, I'm struggling with greed. I'm struggling with the hunger to accumulate more, and I believe it's getting in my way with my relationship with God. I've never had one person ever confess that. Now, I've had other people accuse other people of doing it, but I've never heard anybody confess. Isn't that funny how some things you only hear accused but never heard confessed? <laughs> stuff, everybody say stuff. stuff. Why is stuff, how does stuff just get in the way? I believe socially it's very acceptable in America to just have stuff. After all, that person, they got the boat and they got the getaway house and they got the third car and, and they work late and, and they got more than me and they're the ones that are greedy. You know, I've heard people say, people with money are greedy. You ever thought about that statement, people with money are greedy? 
Greedy is not how much you have financially. Greed is a position of heart. Some of the greediest people I've ever met were poor. Okay, I'm gonna keep moving. I don't like, I can tell you're like, no, no, go back to sin. Let's talk about my wife and get over it. Here's the reality. Accumulation of stuff is like feeding a fire. The more you feed it, the hungrier it gets. Stuff has a way of getting in our way, getting in our heart, getting in our soul, and gets between us and God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, beware, guard your heart against every kind of greed. Life is not measured. Life is not measured by how much you own. It's easy to see when people begin to accumulate more stuff, how it's easy to neglect the things of God. Stuff just seems to become prioritized. You know, it's, I know this is gonna be just a little bit of a raw statement, but I, I've been with people who have prayed that God would bless their business, and we prayed, and God did, and now they can't come to church on Sunday. I mean, I, I've prayed for people, and I'm sure you have, that God would bless their lives or, or give them children, and God gave them children. Now they're always at the lake every weekend with those kids. Never in the house of God. It's just easy for us to, as God prospers us, to forget the one who prospered us. Over and over in the New Testament, if you were just to survey the scriptures, you would see that as the children of Israel became established, as they grew financially, as they became more stable, they were always in danger of neglecting God. Because stuff has a way. You get the boat, you get the house, you get the rental properties, you got the side hustle, you've increased your life, and, 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 and things you've prayed for to God in one season now distracts us from him in another. Are you still happy with me? Let me just quote Jesus and get it off of me for a minute. <laughs> Jesus said, what good, Matthew 16, will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or who can give, uh, uh, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is not necessarily just talking about eternal destination. He's also talking to our internal well-being while we're here on earth. He is letting us know that you and I can neglect the things of God because of stuff. Are you hearing me? Now, there is nothing wrong. I know you've heard people say this. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. It's just wrong when stuff has us. And I'm not advocating that you get rid of all of your stuff and that you're, you're less spiritual because you do have a jet ski. I'm not saying that you're less spiritual because you have an additional car. Let me just say this, you're blessed. It's okay, it's okay to be blessed. But I want to help you understand that, that when we are fixated on stuff, it affects our soul. When we are fixated on the accumulation of things, according to the word of God, that we pierce our soul with many sorrows, what he said in Timothy. Our heart becomes pierced with many sorrows when we become so focused on gain. 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 
I believe that is a major enemy of, of the soul. Sin, one of the enemies of the soul. Stuff, a major enemy of the soul. You know, the scripture says that as you gain treasure, it's in the book of Psalms, set not your heart on it. God's not against you getting it. God's against us setting our heart on it. That it becomes our primary source in life. It becomes who we trust. It becomes our God. It becomes who we worship. It becomes, I'll tell you, you can tell who people worship when the stock market drops. When we are people who are waging war in our soul with sin or waging war in our soul with stuff, it's very easy to not be well in our souls. Are you still with me? Here's the third one. Enemy of the soul, number three, sorrow. Sorrow. Everybody say sorrow. Sometimes life has a way of leaving you and me in a position of emotional pain in our souls. So I could go around and interview people today. There are people in this room or watching online that are dealing with grief. And as a result, their soul is heavy. There are people dealing with hurt and pain, people dealing with unforgiveness and struggles. There are people dealing with trauma and mental hurdles. There's people navigating divorce and loss, people, people dealing today in this room with death and pain. And those things have a way of affecting our interior soul and it can bring us, bring us down. Let me quote this first to you. Actually, let me say this. The Bible is full of people who have had to navigate broken, hurting souls. So you're not alone in this. Think about Hannah, who prayed for a child and she cried so hard at church, the priest thought she was drunk. That's a hurting soul. People like David who sinned and begged that God would not take his spirit from him. Elijah who found himself in a cave, depressed and wishing to God that, that he didn't even have to live and wondering if he was the only preacher preaching the truth and the soul was hurting. People like Jeremiah who wept. A sorrowful soul has a way of bringing, bringing down our lives. You know, in thinking about, in thinking about men, in one study I read for the first time in 100 years, I'm talking to the fathers and the men today, life expectancy for men has gone down, meaning that for the first time in generations, men are living shorter than their parents and their grandparents. And the causes of their deaths were coined, quote, deaths of despair. Because the three leading causes of deaths in middle-aged men today are cirrhosis from alcoholism, drug overdose, and suicide. Can you see the hurting souls? Statistics are, I'm not just preaching something from the word of God to get through a Sunday. Science is proving that our souls are sick. Science is confirming the idea that our souls are not well and life expectancy is beginning to decrease because of broken souls, not because of no money. 
Not because, not because they don't have opportunities, not because we don't live in a good country. No, no, it's our interior life is deteriorating to the point that we are having no place to go. So we're going to a bottle trying to find hope. We're going to, we're taking our lives and we're overdosing and people are dying from deaths of despair. Psalms 42 David, or the psalmist said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Listen to this. David, dealing with setbacks and trouble and struggle, he says, why are you downcast? Why are you in a bad place? And notice who he's talking to, his soul. He said, my soul's not in a good place. Why is there so much tur turmoil on the inside of me? Why are you downcast? Listen, life can bring you down. Our soul can bring us down, can beat us down, can break us down. We can be down people in a down house with down families. Sorrow has a way of affecting our soul. Am I talking to anybody? When you think of the song, it is well with my soul. Many of you may know the story, but it's, it's a really insightful story when you find out the story behind it. A man named Hiroshio Spafford in 1873 wrote it. He was a, a businessman who owned properties and he had been going through a lot of business and told his wife and children that we're going to go to Europe on a trip. And they had called him back for some business that he needed to handle. He told his wife and kids that he would meet them in Europe. So him and his wife kissed goodbye. His four daughters on a boat heading overseas and he ends up back in Chicago handling business and during the small hours of November 22nd 1873 as a ship glided over the smooth seas the passengers were in their beds and felt the boat shake the mother and the four girls were in that ship as it began to take on water they had hit another boat in the middle of the sea and they begin to sink one thing said that loved ones fell from each other's grasp and disappeared in the foaming blackness within two hours the mighty ship vanished beneath the waters 226 fatalities included the four daughters of Hiroshio. His wife lived along with 47 other people. They were taken to Wales and she telegraphed her husband. She cabled him and said simply these words along with others. Saved alone. Saved alone. 
Horatio booked a boat to take him overseas. And while he is on his way to meet his wife, the captain announced that where they were in the water at that moment was the place that the boat sank with his four daughters in it. Imagine being that father, knowing that your four little girls have sunk into darkness without their mom or their dad. All four of them drowned in that ocean that night. He tells the story that he ran into his room. He could not sleep. And he said to himself, it is well. It is well. And he wrote on a piece of paper the lyrics. When peace, like a river, attended my way. When sorrows like seas, billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Maybe Horatio knew what we can often forget. That though things may be hard on the outside, but I can be well on the inside. How can a father write the lyrics of a song that has swept the nation and the world for many years on the boat over the water where his daughters sank to their deaths? How? It was almost like he knew. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And he restores my soul. Jesus said to come unto him who are weary. And in one passage he says, I'll give you rest for your souls. What if on Father's Day you came to the realization that your soul has been waging with sin? Maybe your soul has been waging with stuff, arguing back and forth, not prioritizing God the way he should be. Or maybe you feel sorrow and grief and brokenness and pain and doubt and hurt and condemnation. And you're in this room today can I tell you today, he can still refresh your souls. We serve a God who specializes in the hearts and the souls of man. With eyes closed all over the room and nobody looking, here's my question. If you say, God, help me with my soul, that's the question. I'm not asking if you're not saved. I'm asking, are you fighting in your soul? Are you dealing with grief and piercings and sorrows and difficulties? Are you struggling with issues? Are you struggling in your mind? Whatever it is, if you're honest before God in these final moments together, will you be honest before God and say, God, help my soul? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, God, help me with my soul today. Thank you for so many hands. Just help me with my soul. If you're thinking, well, if I raise my hand, somebody's going to look and judge me. Honey, they need to raise their hand for judging people. 
God, help my soul. You can put your hands down. My prayer for you today that you will walk out and you can say, it is well with my soul. With eyes closed, last question. If you're in here today, this sermon doesn't matter if you're on your way to hell. If you don't know Jesus, I know that's a bold statement on Father's Day and everybody's probably thinking, my God, what did this mean on Mother's Day? But hear me today, if it's not well with your soul, why don't you stabilize your soul in the arms of God today and give your life to Jesus Christ once and for all. He loves you. He died for you. He went to the cross for you and gave everything on your behalf so that you and I can live. And if that's you, I want to count to three. And on Father's Day, why don't you run to the Father? If you've gotten away from Him or you've never known Him today, let's get your soul right. If that's you, I want to count to three. I want you to raise it nice and high and determine in your heart and your life, today is the day of salvation. Are you ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Many hands today. Come on, church. Put your hands together. People saying yes to Christ. That's what it's all about. People saying yes to Jesus. Will you stand with us all over the room? It is well in my soul. It's well in my soul. My soul's got to be well. My mind's got to be well. And as Pastor Tyson and the team sing this one more time through, why don't you just close your eyes, shut out every distraction, and sing to God, it is well in my soul. people that raised your hand for salvation why don't we all just pray this prayer together and mean it from our heart the Bible says that all of heaven leans into this moment by the way and so when people at Vibrant Church let me just encourage you again when people raise their hand to give their lives to Christ that's a miracle we're seeing a miracle in the making and we should celebrate louder than anybody at a football game louder than anybody at a baseball game people have left the kingdom of darkness and I moved into the kingdom of life. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me new today. I believe that you died, and I believe that you rose again. And today, my soul is well. 
in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it today, put your hands together. Give God a big praise in the house.